My name is Erin Gallagher, and I'm the executive director of This Is My Brave. Can you tell me about This Is My Brave? Yeah, of course. Um, this Is My Brave is a national nonprofit dedicated to mental health storytelling. So we invite ordinary people to share their extraordinary stories of overcoming mental illness and substance use disorder on our stage. We produce live theatrical events and we encourage our storytellers to use the performing arts to um, share their stories. So on our stage, we've had people share their stories using um, original song, poetry, creative essay. We've had stand-up comics. We've had dancers. We've had mimes on our stage. So any creative way that you can express your experience um, with these conditions is what we encourage on our stage. And we do this work to break down the stigma of, uh, associated with these conditions. We want to normalize conversations. We want to normalize the experience uh, mental illness and substance use disorder do not discriminate. And so um, we see that in the uh, storytellers who are um, featured on our stage. And when they share and they speak openly about their experiences, they are able to break down stigma. And if people in the audience have lived through something similar, or if they love someone who has, they feel less alone as a result of hearing the stories that have been shared. So our goal is really just to break down the stigma, let people know that they're not alone and um, let them know that help is available and that recovery like the what they see on the stage that's being demonstrated by the storytellers is an achievable thing in their lives. So um, it's really about offering hope and, and encouraging others to um, ask for the help that they need so that they can get to where our storytellers are, are finding themselves today. What inspired you to get involved? I It's a sad story, unfortunately. Um, I lost my son seven years ago to suicide. And um, prior to that, I was in, in the world of education. Um, and uh, But when he died, it was very, very sudden. He was not in treatment for mental illness or any sort of condition. So we really had no idea the degree to which he was suffering. And, um, you know, the second that um, he was gone, it's a, a switch flipped in me and I almost immediately became a mental health advocate. You know, I, I had to call my job that day and say, I'm not coming in. And when I had a conversation with the, my boss later, she said, what am I supposed to tell people? They're asking what's going on. And I said, well, you're going to tell people that my son died by suicide. And she was like, I can't, I can't say that. I don't think you want to tell anyone that I'm like, well, if we don't tell people <laughs> that this one is what happened, I mean, how will people know that this is something that is a risk to our community? You know, if, if I'm going to hide this, then I'm going to be a part of the problem. And I knew immediately that uh, how devastating this was for our family and um, how much I wanted to help prevent uh, anybody else from having to go through something similar. So uh, I met Jen, Jennifer Marshall, our co-founder, and then um, at that time in 2016 was the executive director of This Is My Brave. And I actually had just gone online um, to look. Um, I found I was looking for something that, to inspire my daughters because Jay, my son Jay, has two sisters. And um, so I found that at the time, this is my brave was selling bracelets that we call brave beads. And I wanted to order some brave beads for them 
to inspire them that they could wear on their wrist and kind of look to it to feel brave um, as they wore it. And so I placed the order online, not really imagining that the executive director would be sitting in her kitchen <laughs> fulfilling my <laughs> Brave Beat order. Um, and at the time, because I lived near, um, uh, I lived in the Washington DC area and uh, Brave is um, headquartered there. Um, she just reached out and said, it looks like you're right around the corner from me. And uh, you know, I could drop these in the mail or we could meet for coffee. And so um, we agreed to meet for coffee. And she told me all about the organization. And I just knew, right, you know, just hearing the work that, that you know, her passion to break down stigma and normalize conversations and let other people know they're not alone. I just knew because stigma had to have been a part of Jay's story. It had to have contributed significantly to his suffering that I wanted to be to be a part of this organization and do what I could to, um, to share this message and, um, take it to people who need it the most. So, uh, it took us a minute. We were, we started talking in 2000, late 2016, and I finally came on board in 2019. So, um, but I've never looked back. I, I, I don't want to do anything else in my life. It's really fulfilling work. Um, and it's incredible to see the impact that we have on storytellers and audience members, um, the stories we hear, just how This Is My Brave has changed people's lives is so inspiring to me. And it, it really keeps me going, you know, even through the hard days. How has helping storytellers share their voice help your own healing process? Well, you know, um, First of all, it it lets me know that I'm not alone. Um, you know, this can be a lonely road, a, a grief journey, especially a mother's grief journey. So, um, you know, to see that other people have endured hard things in their lives and they've found their way through that, um, it does inspire me to get up every day and do my best to find my way through. And, um, you know, we don't, we can't do what we do at This Is My Brave without the storytellers. They're really the stars of this movement. And um, I'm inspired by brave storytellers every single day. So, I mean, you know, they, people have been through hard things. I'm not the only one. And that it feels better uh, to know that, um, that we're all going through something and that we can find inspiration in one another. I know for me, when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder too in 2019, I tried to look online and there's like nothing to see or watch a video about people going through the same thing because that's the big thing is like, am I the only one going through this? Mm -hmm. with, with the performance, how is it not only helping the people, but helping the audience as well? Well, so we, in 2016, we um, started doing research on the impact that This Is My Brave has on um, both storytellers and audience members. And so um, we have gathered evidence to show that This Is My Brave is, in fact, a contact-based stigma reduction program, which is, of all the ways to break down stigma, contact-based stigma reduction programs are the most effective. And so, um, you know, when people stand on stage and they share their personal stories, I think it normalizes the experience. It, you know, we tend to want to other people who um, who 
you know, if we think about somebody who's living with a mental illness, that can't be anybody I know, you know, that has to be those other people, you know, maybe, and we tend to, I think, assign character flaws to people who live with mental illness or substance use disorder. Um, And when people stand on stage and they look like your neighbor, your best friend, your mother, your cousin, your coworker. um, And, you know, I think that that really is very powerful way to show the people in the audience that this really can happen to anyone and uh, there are ways through it. So in that way, I think, you know, what we try to measure for is that sense of um, that, that, um, that feeling of distance between somebody who's living with a mental illness and the audience member. And our research shows that they, the, the, the sense of distance is, lessened um, after a brave show. The other piece is, is the sense that recovery is possible, that um, that is strengthened in people after watching our show. They have, they do have more hope um, and um, an understanding that people can achieve recovery um, or, you know, resume their sense of normalcy, even with a diagnosis. Have you seen uh, storytellers confidence improve with getting on the stage you're just hitting on all our talking points Mike this is <laughs> great thank you for teeing these questions up right so we actually um yes we had anecdotally heard from many storytellers um in the beginning parts of of the organization that being a part of the show joining the cast, working together as a group to create this production was um, very empowering for storytellers. So in fact, in 2020, uh, when we had to come off stage, obviously, you know, when uh, the pandemic hit, we couldn't do our live show. And we just didn't, for a minute, we're like, what are we going to do with ourselves if we're not producing shows? Um, But what we decided to do was really explore, you know, we knew that we'd heard this over and over again from storytellers that they did feel stronger and um, more uh, confident as a result of being a part of the show. So we decided to to explore our theory of change um, and really look at what that what that is and try to define it more clearly. And when you do that, we, you start with the outcome. So you really, you, we did a lot of interviews of our, um, like over a hundred storytellers we interviewed to ask them mm-hmm. to really talk to us about what the experience of being a part of this is my brave was like, and, um, really what they felt, you know, after that experience and through those hundred, uh, or so, conversations, we started to hear themes emerge. And one of the themes is that people felt more empowered as a result of being a part of the, uh, of the cast. And so then with that information, we, we had to develop, we used that to develop our theory of change to really imagine what's happening in that space when everybody comes together to, um, to, to work together as a cast and a production team to make this show happen, what is happening in that time um, together that has created those outcomes for those individuals. And that's how our theory of change and the five pillars that we developed um, or that we identified, I should say, um, came to be. And now we train all of our um, production teams as they're um, 
organizing themselves and getting ready to start a brave production, we train them first in that theory of change so that we can be certain that when storytellers do show up, that the environment is ready to support them. It's a safe space um, where they, people will feel empowered and um, they'll feel an, a, an authentic connection to those around them. They'll feel a sense of reciprocity. Um, they'll have opportunities for transformation. These are the things that we train to um, in the Brave production. So, um, you know, we want to we want to honor the people who come out for our shows. We want them to feel a part of this. We want them to really feel a sense of community. And so that's, we want to just make sure that every production team is able to create that for the storytellers who join us for this event. What are some of the things that motivate you? In my work or personally, what part? Both. Well, in my work, I, I want to serve our brave community, both those people who have been a part of our show and those people that will be a part of our show one day. I really feel inspired every day to do my best work on behalf of those individuals. Um, obviously, I'm inspired by the challenge of breaking down stigma, normalizing conversations. I really, um, I think stigma is, uh, you know, it really is just a, it's a a tool of power, you know, it, and, it, and it's disempowering to the person who is being controlled by it. Um, and it's empowering by whatever force is imposing it. Um, society, the community, family sometimes, um, so I think when you can watch somebody take back that power and say, you know, you can't tell me I can't talk about this. You can't tell me um, that this experience is, um, you know, less important or should be kept secret to watch somebody come to that point where they're ready, no matter what, to to take back that power and really um, use it for a force of good in their own life. That's in incredible to watch. That's very inspiring to me. And then on a personal note, uh, obviously I want to create a world where, um, you know, my family can thrive. Families like ours can thrive. Individuals um, don't have to ever, you know, if we we're breaking down the stigma right now, so it's out there. It's, it's, it is controlling some people's decisions about whether they should disclose uh, their condition. But one day, I hope that it's not even a factor in people's lives. You know, um, I, I've said this before, in the late 70s, early 80s, um, there, when people were um, falling victim to breast cancer or testicular cancer, we didn't say those words out loud. You know, they, uh, we would say, oh, she's got a female problem, or he's got, you know, a male sort of cancer, you know, nobody would say those words. And now we have bumper stickers that say, yeah. say the tatas, you know, like we've gone fully <laughs> all the way around. Like that's where we need to be with mental health. Like let's, uh, you know, let's just make it that ordinary, Let you know, um, take away the power that seems to have, um, that keeps people from, from speaking openly. Cause that just, that just prevents people from getting the help that they need. I know for me, when I was diagnosed, I told work, 
and I was telling some people and I was feeling confident, maybe I should say something publicly. And then with work, I got told from HR, it's it may make other people uncomfortable, so don't say it. So then I didn't say anything for two and a half years because it felt like a negative. And then once I finally said, I have the confidence, but do you see the stigma loosening up since you know you started at This Is My Brave? To some degree, yes, but maybe because I'm just in the middle of it all yeah. the time. And so I see the people around me who are already in this industry um, making those, you know, changes and those modifications and, and, and changing the way they speak about things um, to be more inclusive and um, person-centered um, and, you know, avoid labels, those sort of things. But honestly, I go out into, you know, my community and I hear people reference mental illness in hushed ways, you know, or um, veiled, you know, language. And I kind of think maybe we're not, maybe we haven't gotten there yet, you know? So there are days where I feel very hopeful. And then our days, like, I just think, wow, we, there's so much more work that needs to be done. So you know, it's, it's a, it's going to require a lot of us, um, to just continue to say what, um, what we've been saying. And I think it's amazing that, can you tell me, do you mind me asking you a question? Yeah, go for it. Uh, can you tell me what, where the pivotal moment was for you, where you were, you've just, you decided I, you weren't going to take that advice from HR anymore. And you really were casting that aside and deciding it, it's time for me to speak openly. What was that for you? Well, with that work, actually, my my contract wasn't renewed, so I moved. I started working somewhere else, and then uh, I started doing interviews with people who are going through mental illness. So I started getting confident, and then uh, with my new job, I then just told my bosses. And within fifteen minutes, my boss called me and said, "Whatever you need," and all that. So then that gave me the confidence to say some publicly, and then you know, just be getting that off my chest mm -hmm. it has just changed the, the world that it's not a negative. And I want to do whatever I can to help people who are going through, oh, no, if I say something, people are going to think I'm different or anything what people would think. Right, right. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Good for you. I'm glad that you were able to to get to that. It feels, I'm sure, I mean, so, you know, in terms of my story, there are times where we, I have to weigh when people ask me, you know, how many children do you have, for example, that's, yeah. you know, there's times when I answer that uh, in a way that would avoid any sort of um, difficult conversation because we're at a neighborhood barbecue or I just right. met this person, you know, so I'm constantly weighing disclosure and um, and I do t probably take a little longer than um, than others might to to reveal, you know, our entire family's story. So um, it's I think uh, but it does it does kind of get to a point where even, you know, you've got a new friend and you've been hanging. I mean, this is how it goes for me. We've been hanging out for a while. It'd be nice to invite them over for dinner or something. And then I realized, well, they're going to come in my house and they're going to see photos. I've only ever talked about two daughters and they're going to see photos of a family of five here, you know? And so then I have to, you know, before I set the invitation to bring them over, I have to kind of 
figure out when I'm going to be able to share this part of our story with them. And that's a, it's a lot to, to have to carry and think about. Um, I wish I could be just more out with our story, um, you know, all the time, it would be maybe a little easier, but, um, you know. Where do you want to see the organization next, say, to three to five years? Well, um, I would love to see This Is My Brave be a household name. You know, all of us um, that work at Brave now, when we tell people, they say, oh, what do you do for a living? And we tell them what we do when we tell them where we work and what we do. Most people say, oh, I've never heard of that before. And even people that we meet in the mental health arena um, have never heard of this before. So um, we need to, I think, really elevate our um, our profile, you know, so we are more recognizable name and brand. Um, and people are, you know, more aware of the work that we do and more excited to participate with us in some way as a storyteller, as a producer, as an audience member. Um, we do have options for people who maybe aren't ready to do all those things could certainly join us for some virtual events where they can be brave with us. Um, but maybe on a smaller scale, like, you know, walking 2200 steps a day for suicide prevention awareness, or, um, you know, taking part in our upcoming teen mental health month um, that we're going to do in August. Those are ways that um, people who maybe aren't ready to stand on a stage in the spotlight in front of 250 people and tell their story, um, they can still support our work, they can be allies with us and with the community to raise awareness and elevate the conversation about mental health without going all in on that sort of yeah. um, you know, broadcasting of their story. So, um, but we'd love to be more of a household name for sure. That's definitely a goal. Can you tell me about the Teen Mental Health Month? Sure, yeah, it's an initiative we are launching this year. So in just a couple of weeks, um, we've decided to designate August as Teen Mental Health Month. And um, during that time, we will share stories from um, teens who have lived experience and are willing to talk openly about it so that we can um, get those stories out onto the internet so that when young people maybe find themselves um, going through something and they're seeking inspiration from the internet like you did, um, that they'll find those stories yeah. and be able to hear from someone just like them or mostly like them, you know, another teen who um, has gone through something as well. And hopefully they will feel less alone as a result of hearing those stories. We're collecting um, resources or events to highlight on our page um, so that when people hear about Teen Mental Health Month, they come to our landing page, they will see the logos of, the, of our partner organizations, and they'll see the resources that those, those organizations have created that will help to normalize conversations about mental health. There's so many amazing resources available right now, and they sit in all these this disparate places. So if we can pull them all together into one spot, where people can click and access, you know, a, a guide to starting conversations in your home about mental health, it would be, they, that's a downloadable tool that will be available. If there's a screening tool, there there will be screening tools available. Those are coming from different organizations, but we're going to have them as partners and we'll be featuring all of that in one spot. 
And then going into September, um, in memory of my son, Jay, we are doing um, the Jay Walkers Challenge, where we will um, recruit teams to together the teams, the goal is to throughout the month of September, you know, from September 1st to September 30th, as a team to complete 800,000 steps during that month. And if as a team, you complete those 800,000 steps, you will have walked a step in honor or in memory of every life lost to suicide worldwide annually. And so, um, and uh, while teams are walking, we, we will encourage them to do some talking about suicide prevention awareness, because we know that we can't prevent suicide if we're not willing to talk about it. So we want to start right. conversations during the month that will change the way people think about suicide, um, help them understand, um, you know, that it's, it's happening, unfortunately, in many communities, um, the numbers of suicides are ticking upwards very quickly. So yeah. we need to do anything we can to raise awareness um, and help people understand that help is available, that feeling suicidal is not a, a lifelong condition, that that you can get support and um, and t- that will go that you know will go away. It's not a, a condition that it's often a temporary um, idea. But, you know, it's normal to have those feelings. And there are people who can help to alleviate that, um, those symptoms in your life and restore wellness to a place where um, you aren't feeling like that anymore. 